We talked about answered and unanswered prayers. We've talked about the messy side of prayers. And I think that a lot of us would like to move on to answered prayers today, right? (laughs) But we're not going there. (laughs) The reality is, is that we often want answered prayers more than we want God. And we're going to stick with wanting God today. We have been hurt, we've been disappointed, we've learned a lot, we've been stretched through life, but our unanswered prayers are actually incredible holy moments of learning how to submit to God in new ways, how to worship Him from difficult circumstances, and how to draw close to Him. We have no idea how short this life is. Paul gives us a glimpse of that, that it's going to be over in the blink of an eye, but... Right now it seems long and it seems hard. But in these unanswered prayers, God is drawing us deeper and closer to him. And he wants us to worship him, not because of our circumstances, but because of his um, character, because of who he is, not because he answers our prayers. Is anybody else a little annoyed by that feedback, or is it just me? You can't hear it? No. Okay, so I'm going to try to ignore it. What is that? They can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me. Yeah. Thanks. a little bit. Do I need to take the scarf off? Is this better? Is this better? Can't hear me yet? Are you still doing this? Okay, so I'm going to just talk louder. And, and will you please back there, will you wave at me if it's not working? Don't let me just keep on talking. For some reason, I'm just getting a ton of noise. But that's because we're going to have a really good time and the enemy doesn't like it. So here we go. And I'm going to get rid of this scarf. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> I try. You You know, when you're almost 65, it takes a little bit more work. (laughs) So, here we go. Holy moments are incredibly pervasive in our lives. We have so many holy moments every single day. And we have no idea that we are spurring them often by just going right ahead and acting like we know how to do life and not taking the time to pray and ask God to teach me, please, how do I do this holy moment right now? We choose what we want to choose. We do what we want to do. We, we just kind of march on through life. And we miss holy moments. And when there are those disappointing times, we don't see them as God's maturing us. We see them as disappointments. We see them as trials and testings. We do not see them as opportunities to become like Jesus, to grow. Unless we're in that really spiritual moment, right? But most of the time, we're kind of oblivious and we're just marching through life. We're going to tackle a promise today that Jesus makes that doesn't always seem to be fulfilled in our lives. In fact, many of us have looked at this promise and we have been very frustrated by it. Luke 11, 9 to 10, it's in your your journal there. 
So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. This teaching is often given in Matthew 7, 7 to 8. And we know that repetition is important in the Bible. When it shows up, we need to pay attention. So this is a repeated promise. So it's important. This promise seems to roll out the red carpet for us. It seems to say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. It sounds so promising, so easy, so sure. And yet we know from our prayer experience that it doesn't always play out this way. And we wonder, I asked. I sought, I knocked, and I did it as best as I could. What's happening? What's happening? So why should you and I ask, seek, and knock when we know we live in this broken world, when we know that God doesn't always do what we ask him to do, when we know our prayer requests are not always answered how we would like them to be answered? What is Jesus saying to us in this promise? Why is he saying it to us? What can we take away from it this morning? Well, we need to set the scene. We need to get the context because context is so important, right? So in Matthew, these verses come two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about kingdom living. And he gives so many instructions. Do any of you ever go like once a year to the Sermon of the Mount and read through it and think, oh my goodness, this is why I don't spend a lot of time here. This is, this is hard. There's a lot of do's here. So his, his words to ask, seek, knock are tucked into this amazing teaching on how we are to do life with him. This teaching that we are to be salt and light, that we are to be reconciled with one another, that we're to live righteously and remove anything that keeps us from living God's way, that we are not to divorce, that we need to let our yeses be yes and our noes be noes, that we're to turn the other cheek, and that if somebody asks us for our shirt, we're to gladly give it to them and throw in our coat too. This promise is tucked in with the command for us to go the extra mile, to love our enemies. And in this sermon, he teaches us to give, to pray, to fast, to store up treasures in heaven. I mean, this is a long list. He tells us not to be worried, to seek God's kingdom first, to not judge, to not throw our pearls before swine, And then he comes to ask, seek, and knock. But he doesn't stop there. He continues teaching us how to treat one another. He gives us a warning that the gate to his kingdom is narrow. He tells us to be aware of false prophets. He concludes the Sermon on the Mount with these words from Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. We all want to be that wise person. 
we all want to pay attention to these words. We would like to say, I've got the Sermon on the Mount down. <laughs> I'm, good at, I'm good with this. But we're all admittedly still learning how to live this sermon. So when we focus on the, the, the instructions for us to ask, seek, and knock without taking into account the context that they're found in, we make a big mistake. In Matthew, these promises were part of a huge sermon on kingdom living. This promise is part of how we live in God's kingdom. And we need to ask ourselves the question, are we desiring to live all of God's kingdom or just this little part that we like to hear that God's going to give us what we ask for? We're going to find what we seek. The door is going to be open when we knock on it. His instructions were meant to be followed in whole, not in part. And it is from our life with him as kingdom seekers and dwellers who strive to live all of this discipline that we practice the discipline of prayer. And he concludes, when we live this way, we are very, very wise. We would like to be very, very wise. We often know that we're lacking in that area and we pray for wisdom. And here God is saying, live this way and you will be wise. And that includes our promise that we're looking at. For more context background, we can go to Luke. And Luke always presents his teaching in a story. He's a great storyteller. And when he's telling this story, he's telling the story of the disciples noticing that Jesus prays and then asking to be taught to prayer, to pray. And so in this promise, it's tacked on to Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer. <coughs> Luke begins with this Jesus praying and then being instructed to pray and then this promise on how to pray. So why are these contexts so important to us? Why do we need to pay attention to this as we consider this very extravagant promise? We need to realize that this promise was set in the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon that describes God's kingdom living. So it's part of a very important sermon for us. And then it was in response to a request to be taught to pray. And we receive this promise. If our desire is to live the kingdom life that Jesus came to give us, and if we desire to learn to pray. So do we desire to live God's teaching from the Sermon on the Mount? Do we desire to live that kingdom life? Or are we just picking and choosing and saying, I'll do this, but I don't know about that. Do we listen to the whole sermon? Do we listen to the instructions on prayer and choose what we want? Like, I'm going to ask, seek, and knock, and God is going to do what I ask, seek, and knock for, and then leave the rest like scattered seed beside the road. Do we ask how to pray? Do we come with an agenda and we want to collect on a promise? Are we learners or are we demanders? Are we students? Are we followers? Are we obeyers? Or are we collecting on a promise? Why would Jesus want us 
to ask, seek, and knock. Why? Why is this important to him? Well, if you read the Sermon on the Mount with this heart to learn how to live it, then you quickly realize, okay, this is way above my pay grade. I am not going to be able to do this. I might get good fits and starts, but consistently, all the time, how can I do this? And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he is describing this life of faith and obedience, of courage and sacrifice, of love and forgiveness, of discipline, honor and respect. It is not a self-centered life, and yet our prayers are often self-centered. It isn't I'll do what I want kind of life. It is an obeying followership kind of life. It is a surrendered, a submitted life, not a life that is out to get what I can from God. It's a life that says, God, teach me how to live the life that you want me to live, the life that I am not capable of living. And so from the setting of living a huge kingdom of God kind of life, Jesus is inviting us to ask, seek, and knock. So let's look at ask. When my children were were little, they were such askers. I think most children are. And they would ask all day long. And I had this idea that my role was to listen to every word they said so that they would still talk to me when they were 13, 14, and 15. I thought if I listened to them when they're 2, 3, and 4, we'd have a good habit going on, and they might listen to me when they were 13, 14, and 15. So I wanted to listen, and I, I really focused on listening well, but when my husband would get home at night, I would often say to him, Can you take over? My ears hurt. <laughs> We're all asking God at the same time. And around the world, millions of believers are asking God at the same time. And his ears never get tired. His ears never stop up. He never says, okay, Holy Spirit, it's your turn. (laughs) He's always listening. He is okay with our questions. There is not a bad question to ask him. He doesn't mind if we think it's a stupid question. He doesn't. He doesn't mind if we think it's a rebellious question. He knows our heart is trying to seek after him and figure it out. He doesn't mind if we're angry. He's confident that he's going to finish his good work in our life. And if anger is part of our process, he is not threatened by our anger. He does not mind our questions, our requests. And in this teaching, he actually gives us examples of questions that he's good with. The disciples had a question. They did not know how to pray, and so they asked to be taught to pray, and Jesus taught them. And in the prayer he gave them, he taught them to ask for their daily bread, to ask for forgiveness, to ask to not be led into temptation, to ask for his kingdom to come. So my ask for you is, how are you doing in asking those things? Are those regularly part of your asks? In other words, Jesus was inviting us to ask for us to be able to live his kingdom way, the Sermon on the Mount. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about, living the Sermon on the Mount, his kingdom way. And these are asks that he supports and he welcomes, and he's instructing us to make these our primary asks. So we should be asking these things first. 
And scripture gives us more examples of what we can ask for. James teaches us that we may ask for wisdom and God will give us wisdom. Philippians tells us that we need to make our requests be made known to God. And 1 John 14 and through 15 says that God hears us when we ask. God hears us when we ask. God of the universe is listening to you. He hears you when you ask. We're not just praying to the air. He is attentive to your prayers. And I believe that if we are living in Matthew's context of wanting to live the kingdom of God, wanting to live into the sermon that Jesus gave us, that God is asking us to talk to him about how to live this way. How in the world do I love my enemies? How in the world do I forgive the unforgivable? In Matthew's context, it, take, it makes a lot of sense that Jesus would be asking us, inviting us to ask. He has just given us a boatload of instructions. He knows we cannot live this on our own. He wants us to ask. We need his help. We need his strength. We need his indwelling Holy Spirit to live and breathe in us if we are to be successful at his kingdom living. And if we don't think so, we are not wise people. In Luke's context, he knows that we do not even know how to pray. We do not even know how to pray. And so he's inviting us to ask to be taught to pray. He's encouraging us to say, this is happening to me today. I have no idea how to pray about this. Do you know, have you considered what you want to ask God for? Of these things that we've just talked about, does one of them resonate with your soul and you can say, I have not asked for that in a long time. I need to spend some time asking for that. Seek. What does seek look like? From the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all those other things that concern us will be added to you. What will be added to us? Well, this promise comes right after Jesus told us not to worry about life or what we eat or what we wear. Jesus is telling us that when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, our basic needs will be met. So are we seeking him? Or are we seeking fulfillment? Are we seeking his righteousness? Or are we seeking to be worthy, to prove that we are enough? Are we seeking his kingdom? Or are we building our own kingdoms and proving how important we are? What are we seeking first? In his teachings, Jesus gives us many examples of people who were seeking something. Something that they didn't have. The shepherd, what did he seek? He sought that lost sheep. The widow, what did she look for? That lost coin. And she looked for it until she found it. But she found it. 
In this promise to seek and to find, Jesus says we will find what we seek. But he gives us some parameters of what we should be seeking first. And so while we have so many things that we would like to seek, Jesus has told us that what we need to seek first is him, is his righteousness, and his kingdom. Those need to be our first priorities. So my question is, I'm really good at questions, aren't I? I'm a spiritual director. It's what I do. I ask questions. Are we seeking his kingdom? Is that a priority for you, for his kingdom to come in your life? Are you seeking him? Or are you seeking his blessings? Are we seeking his righteousness? Are these our first priorities? And some of you can say, yes, you know, this is what I'm seeking right now. And so I would like to know, are you finding them? I hope you are finding them. Because he is available. He is present. He is with us. He is ready to be found. His righteousness is ours for the asking. He wants to cover us with his righteousness. And his kingdom is coming down. He is building his church. He is present with us. Are we finding him? I have a fun time every day looking for God's fingerprints in my life. And at night noticing... Wow, you know, I saw God there. And many of you have commented about my headache. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where I don't notice my headache anymore. It's here. If I stop and think about it, yeah, it's here. But I don't notice it. What I notice is God's fingerprints of carrying me through my day, of allowing me to do more than I should be able to do. People want me to be healed, and I would love to be healed. But I see a miracle from God every single day because he carries me through the day. I see him, and I want him more than I want freedom from my headache. I want his righteousness more than I want to be set free from this pain. And I want his kingdom to be evident in my life more than I want to live a pain-free life. That's what I want. And you know, I see it. I find it. The door is opened for me. So are we seeking? Are we asking? Are we knocking? A quick glance at our lives will give us some clues about what we are seeking. Our calendars, our bank accounts, they give us ideas about what's important to us. I was visiting with one of you yesterday and um, you were saying how hard it is as a young mom to find time with God and I just want to say that is truth. And that is truth that needs to be embraced, and you should not feel um, shame or guilt because it can't look how it looked before you had children. I love how it looks right now because I don't have children at home, and I can have extended time with God every morning. But you need to find what looks right for you at any stage of life, whatever your demands are. But we need to look and see what are my priorities. I have a friend that... She is seeking God with all of her heart, but her, her, her life is really chaotic right now. 
and she's come before the Lord and asked, what can I change? And his answer has been, for right now, nothing. So she's developed the habit as if she goes into the kitchen to prepare food, she'll make the sign of the cross on the doorpost of her kitchen to remind herself, this is God's holy place. When I'm in this place, my focus is him. I am seeking him in this place. I have another friend that her life is very, very chaotic. So she makes a, a point of um, putting scripture on three by five cards, and they're in her shower, they're by her toothbrush, they're in the kitchen on the window, and she has to switch them out all the time because every once in a while you realize I'm not seeing these things anymore, and so she routine, routinely skip, you know, changes them out. But she's seeking him in the middle of her chaotic life. So in the middle of your life, what would it look like to seek him? We can invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and reveal to us if we are seeking God's kingdom. But we can also just look and see, are we seeking and finding his kingdom? Do we seek to live his righteousness? If we are, we will want to live the Sermon on the Mount. If we are, we will want to be taught how to pray. And we will experience his abundant life in ways that we do not when we're not asking, seeking, and finding him. Because when we're seeking him first, we're seeking his righteousness first, we're seeking his kingdom first, that's right where we're going to find his abundant life, which is joy in spite of our sorrow. It's hope in spite of our doubt. It's faith in spite of the betrayal that we feel. It's peace in spite of the chaos that we're living in. Christ's abundant life is for us in the good times, but even more so in the hard times, in the time of needs, because that's when we really need it. And when we're seeking him first, that's what we're going to find. God tells us that if we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him. I would propose that we are to seek him first before we seek anything else. Knock. We have all knocked on doors, right? Both literally and figuratively, we've pushed on doors. And when we knock on a door, we assume somebody is on the other side of that door. We do not knock on a door that we don't think somebody is on the other side of. We knock on a door that we anticipate could be open to us. When Jesus invited us to ask, seek, and knock, he's encouraging us to do three things that are infused with hope. We would not ask unless there was an answer. We would not seek unless there is something to be found. And what's the point of knocking on a forever closed door? I'm so sorry about the noise. I apologize for that. You guys are really gracious, and I really appreciate that. You and I can be very complacent about knocking on doors. It can be hard to apply for new positions. It can be difficult to engage in new relationships. Coming to a a retreat like this was a big knocking on the door for some of you because this is not your comfort zone, but you came anyway. You knocked on the door, and the door opened, and you are here. 
So often we pray for things, we ask for things, we seek for things, but we do not knock on the door. We freeze. We freeze when it comes to doing something about what we're asking or seeking to do. I think Jesus is encouraging us to follow through on what we're needing from him, to follow through on our requests. So think about how we ask for directions to somebody's house. They've invited us for dinner, and we say, okay, great, I'd love to come. How do I get to your house? And they give us directions, and so then we get in our car, and we seek their house. We drive to their house, but then we do not just sit in the car and look at their house. We get out of the car, we walk up the walk, we knock on the door, expecting the door to be open for us. Asking, seeking, knocking is a natural progression. We don't stop with asking. We don't stop with asking and seeking. We ask, seek, and knock. We ask for the directions. We get in our car and seek the house. And then we get out of the car and we knock on the door. When we ask God for something, he often starts by revealing something in our heart. Because you see, our ask tells him a lot about us. You see, our requests reveal our heart's priorities. They reveal our heart's desires. Our asks aren't always about him or his righteousness, or his kingdom. And that's okay. He asks us to ask for other things too. But our asks are often very self-focused or self-absorbed. Sometimes others focused, and that's okay too. But sometimes they reveal to God and to us what we believe about him and what we believe about ourselves. Our asks sometimes sound like beggars on the side of the road, like... We don't really deserve that you're going to do this for us because we're just beggars beside the road and we're not asking from our true identity. Sometimes our asks reveal that we really think we're kind of divas or kind of spoiled children and we think of God as our our puppet on a chain or our Santa Claus. He's of course going to do what we ask him to do because we've got the formula down and we know that if we do this and this and this, then God is required to do this. And we approach him like spoiled children. Sometimes our asks are desperate, without faith and without hope. And sometimes our asks reveal how grasping and how worried we are. Sometimes our asks are full of bitterness and anger and cynicism. All of this is okay with God. Because all of this is a holy moment. Revealing our heart's condition to us is a holy moment. And when we see, oh, this is the state of my heart right now. This is the primary thing I'm looking for. This is my heart's attitude. That's an opportunity for us to seek him, to seek his righteousness, to seek his kingdom ways. And when God reveals the truth to us about our asks, he doesn't just leave us there. He invites us to seek him, to seek his righteousness, to seek his kingdom. He reveals to us that that's really what our heart longs for more than anything else. More than the answers to our prayer, which we desperately long for, 
we more deeply long for him. And sometimes we have to be confronted with that truth because we have forgotten it. We have forgotten that we want him first of all. And from this place of knowing our greatest need, we seek and we find him. And all he has for us is we live into his righteousness and his kingdom's amazing way. After asking, seeking, and knocking God, Jesus is inviting us to get out of ourselves, to get out of ourselves, and walk up to his kingdom's narrow doorway and knock on that kingdom door expecting to be invited and expecting to live his abundant life, expecting all of his resources to be there for us in whatever time of need, whatever unanswered prayer, whatever no he has said to us. He wants to teach us how to live his kingdom way. Asking, seeking, and knocking take place in an incredible, holy moment of discovering who we really are and who He really is. Of discovering what we really, really want, what we really, really desire, and how our God wants to meet us where we really, really are. It is a holy moment of wanting His kingdom to come into our lives and into the lives of the people that we love and the people that we care for and into our hurting world. Asking, seeking, and knocking is worship. It is total surrender to our Father who wants us to pray, who welcomes us to implore, to ask to be taught to pray, to be worshipped when he says no to us, to praise him when our prayers are answered in ways we would never choose. God invites us to ask, seek, and knock so that he might answer, so that he might be found, so that he might open the door to your heart, to his abundant kingdom, no matter what is going on in your life. There is so much more to this promise to ask, seek, and knock than I am opening up right now, but this is the foundation. This is where we need to start. Are we asking, seeking, and knocking for Him, His righteousness, and His kingdom to come? Many of us have faced some really difficult issues. Some of you are in the middle of them right now. We have all faced ups and downs in our lives, and we have had many, many questions about prayers. We have wrestled with prayer, and we may have wrestled with doubt and anger, bitterness, cynicism. And we may have had times of deep, deep joy over our prayer life. So right now, I'd like you just to invite the Holy Spirit to examine and reveal to you what is the state of your heart. As we've talked about the messy side of prayer, it's not been uh, wrap everything up in a pretty bow and isn't the Christian life wonderful. But I think it's been truth that we need to hear that in the messiness, God is here. In the mystery, God is here. In the hurt, in the horror, we still can worship him. Have you been stuck over prayer this last year? Do you feel distant about prayer? What is your greatest desire right now? So in this moment, let's ask God about our spiritual life, about our prayer life, and let's seek him. 
for his understanding, for his perspective, and in prayer invite him to bring his kingdom into our lives. And we could give you about five minutes to just pray with God and reflect with him.